You're listening to the Savvy Social Podcast, the show for budding entrepreneurs who want to understand the how and the why of social media marketing. I'm your host, Andrea Jones. Let's get started. Hey, and welcome to episode number 74 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This show is brought to you by Social Report. Social Report is the world's most complete social media management tool, and it's my tool of choice when it comes to scheduling, reporting, moderating, all of those wonderful things that go along with keeping track of all the things on social media. You can try them out for yourself for free by going to socialreport.com. Now, today's guest is Danielle Desir, and Danielle is just a fantastic human being. I have really enjoyed getting to know her over the years. We've connected at Podcast Movement. We connected at She Podcast. I just love talking with her. And today you guys get to dive into a conversation with us all about community and collaboration and connection. And for those of you who don't know Danielle, Danielle is a travel finance strategist, writer, and host of The Thought Card, an affordable travel finance podcast empowering people to make informed financial decisions, travel more, pay off debt, and build wealth. She's also the founder of WOC Podcasters, which WOC stands for Women of Color, an inclusive community for women of color to connect, learn, and share resources. WOC Podcasters has over 1,600 members from 37 countries, and it is the first community of its kind dedicated to the growth and representation of women of color in the podcasting industry. And so in this episode, we talk about how Danielle built that community. And if you're thinking about building a community of your own, we really dive into how to leverage your community, the power of really some organic growth, and how to nurture conversations and connection within the community. Now, I am a huge supporter of WOC Podcasters, and I'm in that Facebook group as well. So if you're a woman of color or a person of color and you're looking to connect with other people of color, check out WOC Podcasters. It is a really such an amazing community for other podcasters. Now, before we dive into this conversation, just a few little updates. So we're heading into the holiday season. I don't know about you guys, but I love this time of year and it's just so fantastic and I love the music and uh, we just put up our tree, which is really exciting. Um, but also want to tell you some exciting things that are happening inside of the Savvy Social School. So right now in the school, we are wrapping up our planning. So our last training was all about planning for the new year. I shared my screen. I showed you guys exactly how to plan out your entire year. It was a lot of fun. Uh, How to identify some key content pillars, all of that great stuff. The recording is in your training vault. So check that out. Uh, But we have a coaching call coming up. So this is one-on-one time with me. Um, We're going to hop on Zoom and and plan out your new year together, almost a co-working style. Um, so that's coming up on the 16th. Uh, and then also we have a Q&A session coming up with me to talk about taking a break. So this is a good time of year for us to take breaks and to really tune in to what we want, what we need for the next year. And you can absolutely take a break on social media. I actually talked about this in a recent podcast episode or last year. I talked about this at, around this time in, uh, it seems recent, but I talked about this very concept. And so we're going to dive deeper into that in the school. And we're just going to talk about how to realistically take a break on social media without feeling bad about it. 
So don't feel guilty about the break. Plan it out. Take your break. Take your time off. Refresh, recharge, and move on. So we're going to talk about those two things in the school this month. If you're not a member, I really encourage you to join us. We're having a lot of fun over there. We are 90 members and growing, and I'd love for you to be a part of that if you're not already. You can find out more about the Savvy Social School by going to SavvySocialSchool.com. Now let's dive into this amazing conversation with Danielle Desir. Hey, Danielle, welcome to the show. Hi, Andrea. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you because I'm in your Facebook group. I love everything you're doing for uh, people of color in the podcasting industry, which we'll get to. Uh, but I want to start off with kind of your your journey into the online space because you've got a travel blog, correct? Yes, travel finance blog. Travel finance. Okay, so how did you get started with that? Sure. So when I first started blogging, it was really after a trip to Europe where I went to Paris, London, and Amsterdam. So I was bit by the travel bug and I started writing about this one particular trip. And then over time, it really evolved where I started to also share about my student loan journey. So that's where the money component came in. And at the time, my friends and I weren't talking about student loans. Like my partner wasn't talking about student loans. I just felt like I was alone wanting to travel and not being able to, you know, particularly afford everything that I wanted in my life. So that's really how I just started to write about travel and money. And then over time, it just has evolved into really digging into like how to afford travel, how to pay off debt, and now how to build wealth. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's such an important topic. And I'm glad that it's trending too, because um, it's definitely something that we as a collective could, could all work on. Um, so how did that transform into the work you do with podcasters? Yes. So I've been wanting to podcast for a really long time and I was inspired by a personal finance podcast, but I kind of sat on the idea because I was really nervous about hosting a show by myself. And when I started to Google and research like how to start a podcast, I just got overwhelmed by all the things to do, right? You just go down the rabbit hole and I just was really, really nervous. So I sat on the idea for about two years and then in 2018, Spotify released a application called the Sound of Bootcamp where they were looking for aspiring women of color podcasters who had an idea, didn't really have experience. They would pretty much bring you to New York City You'll spend a week training with them. And I was like, Danielle, this is your this is your shot. Let's go. Let's do it. So I put together an application. And it's interesting, the application wasn't even the podcast I have today. It was the original podcast that I wanted to have with a co-host, like my invented co-host. I applied, and the day that they were supposed to announce the winners, we heard crickets. And there was a lot of rumbling happening on Twitter. I woke up so early thinking, okay, they're going to say Danielle. And I think so many women did the same thing too. And a hashtag started trending. I believe it was Sound Up Bootcamp. And Women of Color podcasters started trending as well. So once I saw that there were literally hundreds of women on Twitter tweeting about this opportunity, I said, let me just quickly create a Twitter list. Now, the thing about Twitter lists, it's nice for you to kind of like stalk people and just have them all collected there, but it's not good to like communicate with them and really like be in fellowship. 
So I quickly created the Facebook group that's now called WC Podcasters. And I remember like panicking and I called my mom and I started to cry and I'm like, mom, I don't know what I just did, but I think it's going to be a big thing. I don't know if I'm ready for it because I don't even have a podcast. Like who am I? Right. Um, but my mom encouraged me and I opened the doors and today now we have over 1800 women of color podcasters from 37 countries and we're just continuously growing every day and Spotify released their second iteration of the boot camp, and it's just really nice to see that there's more women um, out there who's really interested in starting podcasts. I love that this started on Twitter. As a social media lover myself, I love a good underground kind of guerrilla campaign for getting all of these people together. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the early days of, of kind of building up the community? Um, how did you encourage people to join the Facebook group and how did you nurture those early adapters, those first people who are in the group? Right. So those early days were really interesting. There was a part of me which was like, am I leading a community? Am I the face of the community? I'm trying. And also I didn't have a podcast at the time. So it was a very, a little bit of confusing time. Like you're trying to like create, uh, create engagement and also trying to push, push people forward. So it's a little bit confusing, but in terms of like getting people involved, I was really intentional at the onset saying that I really just wanted to have a couple of things to spark engagement in the group. So what you'll see is Mondays is like a goal setting day, which we just really are there to set our goals and to see each other, you know, setting our goals. And then on Friday, I really wanted that to be a self-promotion day for us to not only share a podcast, but also learn about all the other podcasts that are out there. Because what I found is that before starting the community, I didn't really follow that many women of color podcasters. I didn't even know that there were over 18,000 people who had applied to the original Spotify application. 18,000. It's insane. Um, so for me, I really wanted to get exposure and, and see other women who were, who were doing the things that I wanted to do. So that's really how I started engagement. I just kept a rhythm where Mondays we had goals and then on Fridays we had share with us what you're doing. And I was always in there sparking conversations. We were also, I have a very small admin team that helps me to help moderate the group. We were also really about um, having uh, in-person or virtual meetups as well. So the community building, it, a lot of it happens offline. And that is really important. So we had town halls, we had Twitter chats, we just had lots of things going on within the community where we could be visible to see each other. And because I had this space, whenever I had a personal question or I was thinking about, you know, onboarding a new project in my own show, I would go to the community and say, hey, like, for example, recently I was doing a podcast tour. I would say, hey, I'm doing a podcast tour. Anyone want to just brainstorm with me for the next hour? And people would just raise their hands and we would just kind of hang out and brainstorm together. So those are kind of the things that I've done to really help spark the community. But I'm also the kind of community leader that I think is important for it to be organic and for it to grow naturally. So I'm not, I'm not always creating prompts and things like that. I really want it to be organic um, and just having a space where we can be in community 
learn from each other and grow. I think that's important, especially for the kind of work that we do. Yeah. And I like the um, support that you give for opening conversations with your community, which I think is something important to highlight because I think some listeners and some of us get um, kind of stuck in this idea of being a leader means that we need to have all of the conversations or we need to be at the forefront. And really from what I'm hearing, you're saying you are inciting the conversation, yes, but you're allowing the members' voices to kind of shine through, which I think is an important value of being a community leader. Yes, for sure. I see myself as a facilitator. Like I help create the space. I help schmooze and network and things like that in the background. Um, and then when it's appropriate, you know, I do come in. Um, but it's really amazing to see that the community has grown so much um, over time. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about value because as things have grown, there are some um, value adds that you've added to the group. Um, specifically, um, one thing I've noticed is the trainings every month and the Patreon kind of membership. So can you tell us a little bit about the decision to add that and what that process looked like? Yes, absolutely. So back in February of 2018, the community was invited to attend the Facebook Community Summit in San Francisco, which was a huge honor. And I learned so much more about Facebook's initiative and how and what they're doing to really promote community within the platform. So I pretty much like listened to and talked to a lot of other community members and community people who are leading communities. And I was really stumped at the idea. I'm like, okay, for us to really grow and for me to be able to provide the resources that I really want, we're going to have to figure out a way to monetize. So there's different ways that you can monetize. You can monetize through sponsorships or you can monetize within the community. So I started looking at platforms like Patreon. And I really liked Patreon because it's very non-committal and your patrons can really contribute as much or as little as they want. And you could provide some guidance and offer some benefits and perks like that. So it was totally an experiment, to be honest. And a lot of things I do are all experiments to see how things go. Um, but Patreon has been really, really, um, really, really great for the community. And what I've done is that because we have so many trainings and workshops and we do a lot of like brainstorm sessions and, and things like that, what I'm able to do now is I'm able to add this, these videos that we didn't necessarily have a place before to store them and offer that as a Patreon benefit. So I'm thinking if, you know, it's really important when you're thinking about what are the benefits that you're providing your community. For us, it's convenience and education and information. So you could watch these videos at your own time, at your own leisure, and any of the patrons can access them. So it doesn't have to be the highest tier. It could just be, you know, anything that you can afford. And I think that has really, really helped to spark the, the notion that, you know, a lot of times we, we love communities and we want to be part of communities, but there's a lot of work that goes in, that goes into it. It's involved into it. So this is like a very small way, but it's a significant way to help to grow the communities and, and have more funding to be able to do things, the fun things that we really enjoy. 
Yeah, I, I like how it's um, a, a value add as well. I think sometimes, uh, especially as creators, we create a lot of content and we want people to be able to pay us for that, but we don't have a value on the other side. So I think it's important to highlight that there is value on the other side of that paywall, so to speak. Yes, um, for sure. One thing I want to talk about as well are the challenges of running a group of this size. So 1,800 members, there's had to be some bumps along the road. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So here's a story about really having patience. So when I first created the Facebook community and things were just booming in the beginning, there was someone within the community who had created a Twitter account with our exact name. So I couldn't create the WC podcasters Twitter account with the exact name without spaces and all this like fun stuff that I had to add in later. But I, you know, I kept patient and it was very annoying to kind of have to compete because people get confused. They're like, Oh, there's someone with your exact same, you know, the same name and all that stuff. And then they actually had.com, the website that we wanted to have, they, they already bought the domain name. They had it redirected. So that was really challenging. So I personally been wanting to have a website for the community for a really long time. But again, I knew how much work would be involved into it. And because we couldn't have .com, I kind of stalled a little bit on that. But in our, in our, our one year anniversary, I said, you know what? It's our one year anniversary. Let's really get the website going. So I created the website. We have a blog section with tons of articles. Um, Andrea even guest posted as well. Um, and it was a .co website. And I was fine with that. It was totally fine. I made sure it was very clear in our branding that it was .co. So fast forward to like two weeks ago, I found out that .com is now available and they deleted their Twitter. So now our branding is all consistent on social media. So it's super exciting. So things like this, I would have never thought that it would be a hiccup or a challenge, just like simple as branding, but it has. And um, I think we're really lucky to be able to kind of put everything in a concise bucket. Um, but that's really one of the challenges that I've had to face as I led the community. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, branding is so hard these days, hard enough. And then when you're building a brand, you have to go and check to see if all the social media handles, it's like a total new challenge, a 2019 challenge. Um, but I, it's, it has a happy ending. I'm really glad that you were able to kind of grab all of those assets. And it's something that, um, you know, as community participants, we don't really see behind the scenes of the challenges and the ups and downs and that sort of thing. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so for those listeners out there who may be thinking of starting their own community, what's a piece of advice that you can give them um, for getting started and how to kind of create something that attracts the right people? Sure. I would say as you create your community, it's important to share your vulnerable moments because I think that helps your community relate to you more. And less of just like, I'm an admin and follow these rules and, you know, don't step out of line. But it, it shows them that, hey, like, for example, for me, when I was struggling and thinking about taking a podcasting break for the summer, I was able to go in the community and share that moment. And then there were literally so many people who felt the exact same way, but we never talked about it as a community. So it's really important, I think, to be vulnerable, to share your, you know, your ups and your downs. And that really, too, 
really, really, I think for me has helped spark engagement. Yeah. I think that's so important because, I mean, think about the rise of reality TV, right? Like we all want the real, we don't want the perfectly polished. And, and so that's what you're offering in a community like this, which is so powerful. Um, one of the things that you do as well is um, using Facebook Lives to connect with the community. So can you tell us a little bit about the process behind um, going live? Because I know there's a lot of people who may be nervous to go live or they're not sure like what to say, how to start, how to end. So tell us a little bit about your process. Sure. So... I really enjoy going live because it gives me like this spontaneous air and it allows again for the community to see more of who I am um, and less of me being like this rule enforcer type person. And I think if for those starting out, you can start off with doing small announcements. So a lot of times as admins, we have to share some of the new updates within the community. So start by going live and, and actually speaking that out to your community instead of typing it out. And um, another thing I would say as well is to always have some notes of what you want to say. If that's bullet points, or if you prefer to script it out for yourself, that really helps keep you on track and to make sure that you cover all the things that you really want. And nowadays, there are actually a lot of different apps that could help you really like spice up your broadcast. So you could have four people on live with you or three people on live with you. You could have your name scrolling at the bottom. There's all these really like fancy things that you can do to really spice up your message. But I would, I would definitely say to be prepared and while you're on the live to engage with your community. So say, Hey, welcome. Happy to see you. How is your dog? How's your cat? You know, anything that you can do to connect with the people watching on live is like really, really important. And I would also say, invite your community members to go on live with you, like collaborate with your community members. We do that all the time. Um, Sometimes we do Zoom calls, which is great to have like that kind of room setting, but sometimes you just want something a little bit less formal and just low key. And that's another great way to have to spotlight your community members, I think. I like that the theme here is collaboration, 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 collaboration. We're not in this by ourselves in these little bubbles. We are here to kind of lift each other up which I, you know, especially in today's world, it's such a hard thing. It feels like everyone's against one another. And so creating these kind of safe places to lift each other up is so, so powerful. I absolutely love that. Um, one of the things that you do as well is taking some of these things offline, which you touched on before. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the value of the in-person connection as well as the, you know, connection in the Facebook groups? Sure. So I found that the in-person connections are so very important, especially because for women of color podcasters, we're worldwide. Like they, I don't even think there's a country that we span that there's not someone who wants to start a podcast. So having a virtual community is great for that immediate like question. I want to, I'm thinking about something and what are your thoughts and brainstorming, but 
at the end of the day, I think that a lot of people are really yearning for that in person. Let's grab a cup of coffee. Let's go out for a happy hour. And one of the things I really try to stress within the community is that although we don't have the resources to go out and host meetups in every single city, if anyone within the community wants to host a meetup or host an event, pop it in the Facebook group, create an event, and let us know about it. And whoever's around can be there to support you. So I think that's really important. Again, if you're waiting, if you're as an admin or a leader of your community and you're waiting to do everything yourself, it's like really impossible. So as much community initiated activities you can really promote and push, I think that helps a lot. So when I can, I do do meetups in New York City. I do do meetups in Connecticut. Um, or when I'm traveling, I try to just let everyone know, or especially when we're going to conferences like Podcast Movement or She Podcasts, these are all places that we can be in community together. And since we're all going to be there anyway, it's like perfect add-on. Yeah, I know. I, I think the in-person is like um, such a, I mean, you can't replace it, right? Even with the power of social media, we kind of need the in-person connections. I like it too. It's so like I can friend someone after and then be like, oh yeah, that's their face and their name. And now it's all paired up nicely together. So. Exactly. Exactly. And there's a lot of like people within our community, like we're actually friends in real life mm-hmm. and we hang out, we were planning trips together. So there's a lot that could happen when you open up yourself to the opportunity of making new connections. Yeah. So how does that translate into um, your own personal social media? Like I know you're on Instagram with your personal account. I I don't follow you anywhere else. I'm not sure where else you are, but can you tell us a little bit about some of the things you've learned from the Facebook group and how you've kind of translated that into promoting your um, travel and finance blog? Yeah. So I've, I've learned a ton of things. And one of the things I picked up is just experimentation. Like before I think I was just really adverse. Like if it wasn't fed to me by a guru, I wasn't interested in trying it out. But now it's just like, I have an idea. Anyone want to talk about it with me? Let's just implement it right away. And I think that being able to just implement things quickly and then also analyze and just test to see if it's working or not and have a metric for that. It's really, really been helpful to grow my own brand. Now, the wonderful thing about when you are already a creative and you have a blog or a podcast or YouTube or anything that you do, you already have all the skills to actually like push your community forward, which is nice. A lot of the skills are transferable. So one of the things that I knew that I wanted to do for the community was have a blog because I'm a blogger. So at the end of the day, I knew how important, although social media is critical and essential in today's world, it's also important for us to have a place where we have the control of our content. So having a blog was really important and I had all the skills that I've been working on for years to help me to implement it really, really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes we get scared, right? Because it is vulnerable to put yourself out there, try something new, especially if a guru hasn't given it the stamp of approval. Um, But I think sometimes that's what we need to kind of figure out what we feel comfortable with and also what works. I mean, that's how the gurus figure it out. They tried it too. Um, So I think that's really important. So a lot of great nuggets in this conversation today. Thank you so much, Danielle. Um, Where can we find you online? 
promote yourself. Yes. Okay. So if you are a woman of color and you're interested in podcasting, you can find us on Facebook. It's WOC Podcasters. We have a Facebook group and a page. Feel free to join both of them. We're also on Twitter at WOC Podcasters. And you could check out our blog at WOCpodcasters.co. Now, in terms of my personal brand, if you're interested in travel and money and how it all works together, I'm the Thought Card across the board in social media. And my website is thoughtcard.com. And my podcast is the Thought Card. And you can find me on all the podcast players. Awesome. That was probably like the best promo segment. (laughs) Wow. Very succinct and clear. Love it. And I'm going to put all of those links in the show notes for you guys to check out. Definitely check it out. I'm in the Facebook group hanging out in there. Lots of value if you're a woman of color into podcasting, even if you're just thinking about podcasting. It's a great place to kind of get inspiration. Thanks again, Danielle. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Andrea. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Savvy Social Podcast. For links and everything we talked about, please check out the show notes by visiting SavvySocialPodcast.com. And don't be afraid to continue the conversation. I'd love to have you inside of the Facebook group. You can search for us on Facebook or simply go to SavvySocialCrew.com. See you there. Bye for now.